What's up, strongest men, women, and children from blocks all around the world? I am my block strongest man, and tonight I have for you an extra special guest, the incomparable Jessica Fitton. Welcome back to My Block Strongest Man, where we bring strongmen into the mainstream by discussing all of the latest strongman events in the greatest analytic detail that you'll find anywhere on YouTube. Remember to follow me on Spotify or Anchor so you can get notifications of all of the great interviews and analysis of competition prep that I bring to you weekly on this podcast. Share these episodes across all of your social media, and of course, follow me on Instagram at MyBlockStrongest, and on Twitter, and on my flagship YouTube channel, MyBlockStrongestMan, where you can get full video versions of everything you hear on this podcast. If you'd like to support the podcast, click that support button and support us in any way you can. It's greatly appreciated and helps us keep bringing you this high quality content. Now on to today's topic. Hey Jessica, Hello. how are you? Thanks for joining the channel. How are you this evening? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me on. This is very exciting. It's a very exciting for me as well. So, I mean, for all those people that are living under a rock and don't know who you are, would you like to kind of get people up to speed on uh, a little bit about your background, your accomplishments? Oh, goodness. Okay. Uh, I've been in Strongman for about six years. Um, I won um, Amateur Nationals. I've won the Arnold Amateur. I've won Strongest Woman in the World. I've won America's Strongest Woman. Uh, I finished uh, top three at the Arnold Pro and uh, close to top three at official Strongman Games two years in a row, I might add, which is very difficult to do. Um, and I also run a social media account that's called You Look Like a Man. That is an account that discusses um, harassment of women in athletics. And a lot of people actually know me from there right now. Okay. Okay. Well, a lot to unpack there for sure. So yeah. um, it seems like you've won everything. That's amazing. It's funny. I'll, I'll kind of get to this later, but I've interviewed other women who are successful in their own right. And like, you know, to a T, they always come to a part in the discussion where it's like, I was doing great in that competition until I ran into Jessica Fifth, and then what are you going to do? <laughs> Sorry. I've had that happen to me quite a few times where I was like, I thought I had it going on, and then I met, you know, whoever, and it was like, oh, geez. All right, never mind. <laughs> so so um, one thing I wanted to ask about was you're a U.S. Army veteran, right? Like, uh, can you tell us about how you first became interested in the military and yeah. some, of your, some of your best memories there? Yeah, I totally am. I joined the Army at um, 17. I wanted to leave home and see the world. Um, I'm from uh, Indianapolis in Indiana. And at the age of 17, I really wanted to just get out. And I couldn't imagine going to college at that age immediately. So I joined the Army and um, they stationed me at Fort Knox, Kentucky. <laughs> so okay. a solid two hours away from my house. And my friends all went to Germany and, you know, Bosnia and Korea and all these awesome places. But my mom was thrilled that I was basically two hours from my home, you know, after her daughter left for the military. But um, I had a great experience. I was in, um, I was an air traffic controller, if you can believe that. Um, I spent um, my time at um, Fort Rucker in Alabama and then Fort Knox in uh, Kentucky. And I had a career in aviation actually before I did all of these other things. Seems like a very long time ago. Um, but I met my husband in the military. Um, when I was about 19, and we are still together to this day. So, Awesome. Yeah, I was actually going to ask you about that, too. Air traffic controlling has got to be one of the most stressful careers there is. So, yeah. like, are, are you drawn to very stressful things? 
I, apparently so. I thought, um, you know, honestly, the, the hilarity is when I signed up to be an air traffic controller in the military, um, I didn't really understand what it was. I thought it was like the people out on the runways with like the sticks, you know, and that sort of thing. Not at all. Not at all what that is at all. But I, uh, I really fell in love with aviation in the military and it was a lot of fun. And I actually did it for the civilian world. I worked for a couple of contract companies um, out in um, Martha's Vineyard, uh, Massachusetts, and also in Chicago, Illinois. So I had a, a short career after the military in air traffic control. Um, and then I had my son and decided to kind of switch gears because the air traffic control lifestyle is very, very stressful, as you might imagine. Uh, and that was just not a thing any longer. So. Yeah, I'm a real big fan of the show Air Disasters, if you've ever caught that one. So uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I get a little bit of a civilian's view into what air traffic control is about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's very stressful. They get paid very well, but you have to really like that. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, did it require like a specialized education and did kind of the military put you through that education? Yeah, you know, the funny thing is actually most air traffic controllers, even to this day, are actual prior military. Um, the military is the number one um, provider of um, both through the Air Force and through the Army and the Navy. I don't know that the Marine Corps does it, but um, most uh, civilian air traffic controllers are actually prior military. And that's actually where you get experience doing that. There are schools for that. They're just uh, a lot less likely to come from there. But um, it's definitely they train you in there, you know, kind of how to do that stuff. And, and most uh, air traffic controllers today are actually all veterans. Okay. Yeah, I'm kind yeah. of trying to, I'm churning through my mind, is there a pattern brewing here? Because uh, I know another, someone who's in the army with a Mauser block record. I interviewed right. Gabby as well. So uh, Weird, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah she's stationed at uh, Fort Knox and she's stationed at Fort Knox now. And I was there in 1999, which will tell you how old I am. Um, I was there in 1999 and through like 2003-ish, and so the place is completely different, but it was a lot of fun to get to talk to her about how Fort Knox has kind of changed um, a lot, and she was like, nope, no, that stuff is there anymore, so yeah, she's, she's down there too, and she's also strong, ridiculously strong, so. She is, yeah, she is, yeah. and she's she's really nice too, the, that interview was great. Yeah. Um, how, what, so what first brought you to Strongman? Like, how did you kind of make that transition from the military to air traffic control into Strongman? Yeah, so I, I got out of the um, the army and then I had um, my son in 2004. Um, and then after then, I sort of fell out of doing anything even remotely physical. And it was like a time in my life where I wasn't doing anything. So at some point I got where I really wanted to find something new. I had been doing like every single type of exercise program there was just trying to find something that I liked. I even understood, you know, at that point that if you don't like what you're doing um, to stay active, you probably won't keep doing it. So I had been um, fussing around with all the, the, the typical stuff at the gyms, which is totally fine. But I had done Zumba, which a lot of people laugh at right now. They picture me doing Zumba, which is kind of funny. Um, I was doing spinning. I was doing step classes. I was doing uh, literally Pilates and all this other stuff. And I was trying to find something that I was interested in. I just wanted to do something. I liked being active and that sort of thing. So um, I found a barbell gym actually that was close to me um, and they did um, powerlifting and Olympic weightlifting and they also had a strongman program but I came there to learn how to Olympic weightlift um, I knew I was kind of strong it was kind of my thing I didn't know anything I literally didn't know anything about it my experience with a barbell was basically nothing and I was about 34 at this time or 35 um, and I'd never really had any access to that I just didn't do it it just wasn't on my radar but for whatever reason, I decided that Olympic weightlifting looked like something that was interesting. So I called up the local barbell gym and I actually was on an Olympic weightlifting program for four or five months or somewhere in there. 
We discovered very quickly that I'm not any good at that. <laughs> not any good at that at all. I think weightlifting is very athletic. It's a very athletic sport. You need to be strong, but you need to also be very athletic. And so the coaches there were kind of funny. They were like, you know, if you want to keep Olympic weightlifting, that's fine. I mean, if that's what you really love, that's what you want to do, that's cool. But let me tell you, um, we dabbled a little bit in powerlifting. Um, and I did like an unsanctioned meet. Um, and then they said, we've got this strongman competition coming up. And... Um, you may have never heard of strongman, which I really hadn't, which is kind of funny. Like, you know how people are always like, I watched the guys on world's strongest man. And that was kind of, my, that was not my experience. I really, I mean, I had a vague understanding of the whole thing, but I signed up for this strongman competition at my gym with just a couple of, uh, months notice. Um, I had no idea what the hell I was doing at all. Um, but I signed up to do it and they helped me, you know, kind of figure out the events and whatnot. And it was at the gym. Um, and I loved it. It was one of those love at first sight. You're instantly drawn to the people and the culture and the spectacle of the whole thing and the weirdness. Um, and it was a novice competition that I signed up for as a brand new lifter, only been lifting six months or so at the time I won my novice competition shocker. And then I, um, basically was like, yeah, we could, we can do this. So that's basically how I ended up into it from Zumba to Olympic weightlifting to, Hey, you should probably give this a try and see how you can do. Lift the weird stuff instead, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> was there a particular imp implement that really got your attention at first? I'm a log person. I think people know that about me. I We, we discovered that I really like overhead pressing. Um, some women are really into squats and deadlifts and everything else. And I just love overhead events. I like the danger involved of the whole thing come crashing on your head at any minute. Um, but we discovered I was pretty good at overhead events. And, you know, in the time when you're new to everything, you don't realize kind of what the standard is or like what other people are doing. Of course, I was looking at, you know, other contests and those numbers and stuff. But it became pretty clear pretty quickly that I was I was um, I was good at some of these things. I was terrible at some other things like grip events. I'm still terrible at grip events. which is OK. Yeah. It's a whole story <laughs> in and of itself. Tons of stories about grip. But. We discovered that overhead was really my jam. So um, I did that for a couple of months. In the first year, I think I did six or eight contests. I was just doing them literally anytime they would come up. I wouldn't even wow. barely train for it. We just do it just for fun, just to get experience. So the first year was pretty wild because it was just everything I could find to do, I did um, just for fun. So the whole first year is kind of a big giant blur for me at this point. Yeah, actually, that was my next question. So I was going to ask you, can you walk us through kind of your rise through the ranks to your pro card? Yeah. and and Yeah. Yeah, so I, I lifted, I think, and this might be a little, a little tiny bit off because I haven't thought about this in a minute or so. Um, but the first year I did like these all, all amateur, you know, competitions that I did, I was going around, we, my husband and I um, went to a bunch of contests. We went to one in Kansas and I'm from Indiana. So we, we flew out there just for fun. Um, we were having a lot of fun just meeting people and kind of learning about the sport. So I went kind of all over everywhere and I was doing pretty much every competition I could um, find. I met a group of women at a gym um, about an hour and a half from me, which is um, a lightweight pro whose name is Christina Bangma, who's my very good friend in the sport. Um, but I met up with her and she was kind of my introduction to the women of the sport the gym that I was at really didn't have any other women that were doing it it was just me um, so I met her the first year and when I met her is when things really took off for me because I really I met someone else um, that was as serious about it as I thought that I wanted to be um, and that was a really important kind of moment and a kind of meeting for me of meaning she had already been doing the sport I think a couple of years um, and she was getting very good at it 
So I met her that first year and we started training together um, at this gym in Huntington, Indiana, which is a solid 90 minute drive for me. But I drove there almost every weekend um, to go train with her to kind of get introduced into um, the more women's side of strongman from women's perspectives. Um, and then the first year after that, that I did basically just all these just slew of amateur shows we did. Uh, USS Nationals was my first big show. Um, I won USS Nationals, the, the um, I don't remember what year that was now, maybe 16 or 17. Um, sorry. <laughs> Some of this, right. the years are a blur at this point, but the, I, I won USS Nationals. Um, and then we did Pro Women's World. And then we started doing a bunch of other giant competitions. We did um, SC Nationals, where I came in second, which qualified me for the Arnold Amateur the year after, which is the year that I won to get the pro card. Um, so it, it was basically all the big shows and started happening one after the other. So I had my pro card at the end of the second year that I was in Strongman. Okay. And then how many uh, pro competitions in are you now? You know, um, I've done OSG three times. I've done Strongest Woman in the World twice. I've done America's Strongest Woman. And I've done the Arnold Pro twice. So that's at least eight. It might be eight or nine at this point. So Okay. And yeah, so quite a few. Yeah, a by few, the way, yeah. I just, I just got to slip this one in. Christina's awesome, and I'm, help, I'm helping her promote her next competition. Oh, good. Yeah, she's great. And she really was my um, – I think I, I've talked a couple of times with some other people about how – the, um, you have to find a crew. You have to find, it's cool to do stuff on your own. And if you're like a legit loner, like that's, that's perfectly fine too. But for me, it was really important to find other people in the sport um, that were as serious about it as I was. Cause right. just recreational kind of dicking around in your gym is, is cool if that's kind of your jam, but um, people that actually want to be serious about it. For me, it was really important to find other people that were really serious, but they train differently. They train with a different level of intensity. Um, they don't skip training sessions. They do it, whether it's rain or shine, they do it, whether they feel good or they don't. So those were kind of the people that I really wanted to get to know. And um, I learned a lot of stuff from her. And I think she's learned a couple of things from me along the way too. So um, we have kind of a fun relationship between the the lightweight and the, the super heavyweight almost um, when we train together. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, speaking of kind of uh, weight fluctuations there, she trains um, Christine Matthews, who uh, yes. was lightweight and then moved up to middleweight. And then yes. we'll get to the, we'll get to discussing Mammoth in a moment. She had to compete in a combined weight class there and, and still came in second. So uh, right. kudos to her. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, that is. So um, another thing, I just want to ask you about your uh, nickname on Instagram. So how did Filthy Fitting come around? That's a great question, and no one ever asked me that, actually. That's a great ah, question. Ah, that's what I'm here I, for. That's a new one. There you go. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think anyone's ever asked me that, actually, now that I can think about it. Um, I was, um, during the, the beginning of my strongman career, one of the other things I was doing was I was boxing, um, just for fun, not serious, before anyone gets all, yeah. So I was boxing um, with a club that they're actually not around any longer, but, but it's a club, and the boxing coach um, is actually the one who – um, asked me to come up with a boxing name. Um, so we all had, basically, we were doing very light sparring. So it was contact, but it wasn't as serious as it sounds. Um, but I really enjoyed it. And it was a really great cardio if people have never boxed before. I mean, holy shit, if you want to talk about car it takes 30 seconds to throw up, you know, it's crazy. But the boxing coach who I got to be really good friends with um, wanted me to come up with a boxing name. And all of the boxing names that I came up with were not appropriate. He told me that I was not going to sell any tickets. Um, I think we came up with Jesticles as one. <laughs> yeah. He wouldn't let me use that one. And then he wouldn't let, uh, this is bad, so not safe for work. Um, the other guys suggested Jessica Hunt, and we wouldn't let me use that one. So it was all of these really bad. So 
I have to say those out loud because the next thing was the coach was like, just, you know, fuck it. Your name is filthy fifth. And because you've got a filthy mouth, like it's just awful. It's just like, and that became kind of the thing that it was just really inappropriate sort of, you know, shacking kind of like uh, inappropriate language at like weird times and that sort of thing. So the boxing coach actually gave me the name um, filthy fifth. And I, it's been the name ever since. That's how I started the Instagram account. Somebody mentioned I should start one back in the day during year one. I was like, what's Instagram. I didn't even know, you know, it was funny. Um, but somebody suggested that. So I didn't want to just put my name, of course, and think of something funny. So I used my boxing coach's name for me. Nice. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, speaking of how difficult it is, I did one training session once. And so I'm in New Jersey. Gleason's gym is over in Brooklyn and it's the oldest boxing gym in the country. Right. So when I turned 40, I told my wife, like, I want to go do a boxing training session for a day. Be fun. I go over there and I'm just thinking they're going to pick out any house trainer. Right. So they said, all right, this is your trainer. It was uh, Johan Guzman. He's two-time world champion. And so I'm, they're like, oh, uh, I don't know if you're aware. He's a champion. I'm like, yeah, I've seen him on HBO like 10 times. Yes. Right. So uh, puts me through my puts me through my paces. He ends up, and he's going like 25% speed and power, right? Right. He knocks, my, that, gla- right. He knocks my glasses across the ring, you know, and he didn't want to uh, – he didn't want to kind of like apologize to me. So he walks away, right. makes me feel bad. And he apologizes to my wife on the side. <laughs> it's pretty funny, but yeah. Then, oh, I yeah. enjoy the hell out of it. Yeah. It's a great, I mean, it's great. Like people always assume boxing is just standing there and, you know, wailing your arms around. And it's like, it's so much not. So I enjoy the, oh. yeah, I got hit in the face a couple of times. And I was like, you know, no, <laughs> I mean, Jessica, come on. You should stop talking about Thor like that. Right. I know. The (laughs) hilarity of the boxing match between them two, right? Right now, I'm just like, I don't even know if I want to watch it or not. We'll see. I guess. Maybe. Yeah. It was funny. Like, I was... I was really rooting for Eddie and uh, he looked yeah. a lot sharper, but it seems like he's trying not to be sharp to prove a point that he can still win now. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. The whole thing is, is a bit strange. I mean, it just yeah. kind of is, but I relate to the difficulty with that is much more difficult than it looks. It may not look that hard, but Oh goodness. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and, and let me be clear. Thor is trying and he is improving. So let, let, me, right. put that let me put right. that up. He's trying. Yeah. <laughs> Been paid either way, though, so you know. That's true. That's a good point. That's a good point. Cool. And then my last question is just uh, take this opportunity to tell everybody how they can follow you, anything you'd like to promote, sponsorship, anything. Sure. So my Instagram, which is full of terrible training videos, basically don't get too excited over that. It's <laughs> see, I'm very motivational, very motivational. Uh, it's filthy underscore fifth in, which is F I T H E N. Um, and then you look like a man is all of those words with periods in between. So it's you period look like a man period with periods in between. Those are my two main social media accounts um, that I'm on. Um, and so if people want to get in contact with me, those are the best ways to do it. All right, cool. And if I go uh, start liking posts on You Look Like a Man, that doesn't mean I uh, encourage that sort of behavior, does no. it? No, no. It's, it's funny when you have kind of a negative, like an account that's like that. People are like, I'm liking this post, but not because I like it, but because, of, yeah. So I get, we get the whole thing. It is kind of a funny thing, but we talk about a lot of interesting stuff on there sometimes. All right, cool. Um, so once again, thank you for spending all this time with me. We sure. talked about so many interesting things. My audience is going to love it. And uh, thanks once again. Maybe we'll do it again sometime after your next comp. Absolutely. I appreciate it very much. Thank you for having me on. Awesome. Have a great night. You too. All right. Bye. Thanks. 
Remember to follow me on Spotify or Anchor so you can get notifications of all of the great interviews and analysis of competition prep that I bring to you weekly on this podcast. Share these episodes across all of your social media. And of course, follow me on Instagram at MyBlockStrongest and on Twitter and on my flagship YouTube channel, MyBlockStrongestMan, where you can get full video versions of everything you hear on this podcast. If you'd like to support the podcast, click that support button and support us in any way you can. It's greatly appreciated and helps us keep bringing you this high-quality content. Ciao, homie.